podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for Gigpod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Out of control. Hello and welcome to another Premiership Year's podcast from Glasgow is Green, aka Gigpod, where I, Stevie, chat with a guest about the events of the specific month and the car crash of a season that was 2020-2021 for Celtic FC. Today's podcast focuses on the month of September. It was around this time that penalties for not wearing a mask had been dished out so frequently you'd have expected to see James Tavernier as a beneficiary of them. The R number escalated for the first time since March and the RTP number was about to increase too when Celtic would go on to sign Irish international Shane Duffy to uh, bolster our defence. So joining me to talk about this oddly successful month in a disastrous season is Hamish Carton of the Big Dogs at 67 Hail Hail. Hamish, welcome once more to another GigPod episode. Great to be on, mate. It genuinely is a, a pleasure to be on for this uh, this golden month in Celtic history. The the least convincing 100% winning side in football history. Yes, well, let's get right on to that. We'll be talking about on the 12th of September 2020. It was PPV Mania against Ross County. I think it was a Saturday at three o'clock kickoff, wasn't it? I don't know why. I remember that game being quite excited. I think it was after an international break, and I think we'd we'd certainly, uh, well, it was Shane Duffy's debut, wasn't it? So we'd signed him. I think it, it may have been a Yeti's first start, and I think he started alongside Edward, and we went with a three-five-two possibly for the first time. So there was a fair few, you know, new players in. We'd started the season quite well. I think we'd only dropped two points at Rugby Park up until this point, and. The whole pay-per-view thing was still quite fresh. It became like a pain in the arse later on in the season when folk didn't even bother with the games at Pataudry and Easter Road. But I think back then there was quite a buzz to see what pay-per-view would be like. You know, novelty factor, giving a wee bit of money to Ross County. I certainly chipped in, I think it was 12 quid or something like that. And I thought it was quite a, a kind of decent decent enough game. It was never a 5-0 game. Like, never a 5-0. Um, I don't know how we won that one 5-0. County had lots of chances, probably had as many chances as us in that game, but they just couldn't take them. Um, but I remember coming away for that game feeling a little bit concerned in the back of my mind with how many chances we'd given up, but also a feeling that this team was about to kick into gear. I think I got a grip with Celtic around about October time, where I realised, yeah, I think we are in Bora. I was, uh, to quote a good friend of ours, sleepwalking for the <laughs> first couple of for the season. And I thought that 5-0 win, I was like, ah, well, Ross County are dates, can't take their chances. We're the big dogs. Of course, we are going to just go up. And that was when I was in that mode, Hamish, as you know. And I'm not anymore. But remember, I used to be in that mode. I'd gone, ah, we'll beat them, the jobbers, 4 or 5-0 every week. That's what I was predicting on TJDS blog. We could have been playing Clamalla and a very overweight Griffiths up front in that game. And I would have went, ah, 6-0 easy. And that was just one of the games where I came, you know, my arrogance was justified in that respect. But one of the group chats I'm in, um, and it's a combination of all different fans of different um, teams in the league, and they'd watched that game too, and they were like, 
that's never a 5 0. They were saying to me after it, that is a real cause for concern for Celtic. Me at the time, Bosch, Flimshaw saying we're the champions, we'll be fine. But they were justified. And you do have to say, um, it was a strange game. And like, we get a very, I think it was a very soft penalty, if, if we're really being honest. And Edward put it away pretty well. Ayeti scored after 20 minutes. And then Shane Duffy makes it 3 0 with a big powerful header. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to say that like, I thought right away Shane Duffy was going to be the, the answer to everything. But I thought finally we've got a commanding centre half that will go and attack the ball, that will, you know, body all the jobbers in Scottish football and just go, no, nah, this is mine. Stick the nut on it and just claim it. Um, we saw that for Shane Duffy in his first couple of games that we'll talk about. That's been one of them. But we never really saw him being that dominant afterwards, didn't we? Not? It was so frustrating. He completely bullied Julian to, to score that first goal. He absolutely bodied Julian. And I remember folks saying, as much as Julian's been decent in the air and scored a few goals for us, big goals for us, I remember folks saying that's what we've been missing in, in the opposite box. And obviously he'll bring that in our box as well with defending set pieces. But I think folk, there's kind of a narrative now that Shane Duffy was really good for these first few games and then tailed off kind of after the first derby and, you know, the Milan game and all that. But that's just not the case. Shane Duffy, despite scoring in these first two games, for my memory anyway, was really, really shaky. Um, I think one of the first things he did in this county game was he made a mistake and, and let, I want to say, Billy McKay in. And then I think he made a, he either made a really good, you know, recovery tackle or it was offside. But I remember thinking... That's not really what we want to see from you know a guy playing against, with all due respect, one of the poorer teams in the league. So I remember that about this game, the fact that Shane Duffy was poor. The other thing I remember is that that uh, daft Greek goalkeeper we've got actually made a couple of good saves in this game. It's always the, the game folk go back to when, when folks say, oh, Barkas, I've never seen him make a save. Folk always go back to this game and say, no, he made, he, he kept it Ross Stewart's low drive in the 58th minute. Um, so he had a good day as well. He did. I thought Barkas was very impressive, but it, that's the thing, it raises questions because, as you say, with the greatest respect to them, Ross County are one of the poorer sides, but they really, really um, gave their defence border. And it was the fact that Barkas was keeping us in the game. Even at 3-0 up, Ross County were still creating chances. And you're like, I can now look back on it and see why people were saying there's a cause for concern there. But, I mean, overall, going away, a 5-0 win, getting the three points. And even Patrick Clamalla, it was a big goal for him. Took his goal pretty well too. After, I think, in August, he certainly had a couple of howlers, didn't he? Um, had a bad miss against Murrable. People were screaming out for him to get a chance. He wasn't starting. And then he came on. Took his goal pretty well. And you're thinking maybe he can get the boost after this to kick on. But it never quite happened for Clamalli either, did it? I just can't believe that he's left the club. Not in a, not in a you know, bad, we're going to miss him terribly way. But I just can't believe that signing and just how, how he's left so quickly. I know I know signings, you know, a lot of them aren't going to work out for whatever reason. But you could have, you could have told me right for the start that, that Clamalla wasn't really going to make it. He he had a bit of pace about me. We almost had the kind of Ollie Burke syndrome, like he had a bit of pace, but no real end product. Couldn't really finish. He was better at, you know, finish finishing instinctively rather than when he had time. Um, he may go on to be a decent player in, in America and come back to Europe or whatever, but 
just a strange, strange signing when you look at it. Um, and I think we were kidding ourselves on when he was scoring goals like this, the fifth goal in Dingwall, and everyone's saying, oh, this guy's going to come good. I think he scored the fifth goal against Hamilton in the first day of the season. You know, that's we were kind of kidding ourselves on at that stage that he was going to be any sort of a success. Clutching at straws, if you will, Hamish. And then we move on a few days later to place at Mirren away. Again, one there, it was a strange game because we actually did dominate it. We dominated all the ball and we obviously we won 2-1. Uh, Duffy scores again. James Forrest gets on the score sheet. We cancelled out Lee Irwin's opener. But as I said, as much as we dominated it, it was still one of the performances, wasn't it, that you weren't fully convinced by? Is it was like we had all the ball and St. Minnan weren't even that threatening. But it was just a looming feeling that all it was going to take, like all season, that was maybe going to see later on, October onwards, a set piece, a corner, something stupid. We had it in us and... Thankfully, we never done it in that game, but we'd have, we would, of course, make up for that um, in later months. But what was your memories of the St Mirren game? Very non-eventful, really, wasn't it, though? That first goal we conceded was one of those typical uh, flick-on for a corner, guy standing in 10 yards of space at the back post, knocking into the net. I think it's Erwin that scores, and then we conceded two against Rangers later on in the season. There was another, another one as well, maybe against... Aberdeen, I think, at the end of the season when the same thing happens and just issues just not being addressed. This was another pay-per-view game. The first one, buzzing to pay pay-per-view. Second one, right, that's it. Fed up. Not doing it anymore. <laughs> Giving more money to clubs like St Mirren. Is that when you said that's you away? That was me away at that stage, honestly. <laughs> I came back and then went away again, but it was a win, wasn't it? I think this was a game in hand for when Bolly decided to go to Spain, so... Um, it was an important three points, but again, we were kidding ourselves on. We were we were saying, oh, that's the sign of champions. We're playing poor uh, and we're still winning when the reality was that things never improved really the whole season. This was our, our high point, September. Do you know what is strange as well? When you look at the lineup right against you know Ross County, we had Duffy, Julian and Ayer at the back. We were up front. It was Edward and Ayeti. But then the team rotates again, Neil Lennon. Just in his Kamala weird, started, didn't he? Just a strange mishmash of formation where he's got El Hamed in a back three with Duffy and Ayer. He's got Greg Taylor out to you know left mid, and we had Ryan Christie actually in the middle alongside Scott Brown and Callum McGregor in the midfield. And yeah, as you say, Klamala's up front, and you know Ayeti he comes on, but Ayeti scores when he started against Ross County. Wee things like that we learning, there was no consistency. Why didn't he start a Yeti against St Mirren? And right away, you know, if he starts a Yeti with Edward, keeps it consistent, they might build up a greater understanding. The season might not have went the way it did. Okay, yeah, I know it's all ifs and buts and we're doing that thing again, getting into hinds- looking back and everything, hindsight and everything, but a wee bit of consistency there would have been great. And that's what the one thing that really bit us all season. We never had a strike force or we never had a partnership. There was no cohesion within that team especially up front when it looked like Edward at times actually probably would have benefited from someone next to him. But the problem is, who would it have been? Klamala, Griffiths, Ayeti? It just looked as if Lennon didn't actually know who to trust alongside him. Ayeti's a strange one, isn't he? Because, I mean, this month we're talking about, I know he didn't play against St Mirren, but he had a pretty good month here. This was like the height of Ayeti when everyone was thinking this guy could be a proper good striker for us. And he might still be, but, you know, games are going to come on to uh, Livingston, I think he scores maybe two, at least one. Um, he definitely scores against Hibs. Obviously, the county game he scores. 
this was a good period for him and then he just kind of went off the boil and I don't know whether that's down to the fact that I know he got an injury and the, the Hibs game will come on to but I don't know whether it's down to the fact that Lennon just chopped and changed his side so much and we have heard rumours about his attitude as well but we don't know how true that is I mean we've all seen the there's a certain person we know that forwards on some cracking whoppers <laughs> and, <laughs> and apparently in these forwarded on messages one of them is a yeti a, a, Apparently his attitude roiled Lennon. So again, that's unconfirmed though. But when you've got a guy like that up front who's scoring when you're playing him, I mean, bad attitude or not, surely you're starting him. Look at Lee Griffiths, look at his attitude and the amount he's got away with. And yet, you can't be telling me that a Yeti is any worse than him. I think their, I think their attitudes are probably quite similar, to be honest. Um, you could argue that, that Griffiths at least kind of seems to you know, come big big moments and big games. A Yeti, I don't think, really done it in a big game for us yet. Um, he's maybe had limited opportunities, but he's a strange one for next year. Um, obviously, you know, this is a, a podcast looking back, but just it's intriguing to think of how the new manager will look at someone like a Yeti. Will, will he be the kind of guy that gets a fresh start and, and kicks on next year? Or will he just be, you know, another kind of Klamala that's maybe, maybe sold? But as much as we got the money for Klamala... I think we'd struggle to get back whatever we paid five million for a Yeti. I mean, who's paying that at the moment? Yeah, and what Celtic are incredible at doing. They're very consistent at not selling players at peak value. <laughs> we paid what five mil for a Yeti. Known us will end up getting what if we do sell them something like two and a half and three for them, and then going and saying, "Ah, well, it's the sort of business that we could expect." No, that's really not the case with Celtic. It's what Celtic do is constantly undersell their players and they'll do that with a Yeti if it comes to it. Is this maybe a wee, a wee point to stop and chat about the transfer window then, seeing as we're, we're chatting about a Yeti? Because this is obviously the month of September. It's the month of that famous Celtic just sitting here thinking tweet that backfired more than anything else in history, maybe other than my Eddie Howe mugs on 67 Hill Hill. Um, worth signing, Shane Duffy? or Does John Joe Kenny, or I know he was January, but does he shade it for you this season? Black Salt? I think I think it would have to be Duffy purely because of the business sense or business nonsense even when you look at the fact that we paid two million pound for him as the the loan deal and factored in as well there was rumours that he had to be starting and all that as well and certainly initially I think the amount of hype over Shane Duffy and everybody saying this is your guy to really bolster us and take us to the next level and we're not going to get bullied at places like Livingston and rugby park anymore and we'll be able to go to these away grounds with this big colossus at the back and I'd say Shane Duffy was pound for pound one of I would actually say and I'm, it's not personal of course it's something that's just the way it works in football isn't it Hamish but unfortunately I would say not only was he the worst signing of the transfer window for us I think you know when you're talking in the last 10 years I could he could be one of the worst free signings we've ever had he was staggeringly bad it's crazy because probably, as you say, I'd agree, one of the worst players we've had, one of the worst signings we've ever made. But no Celtic fan ever even saw him playing in the flesh. It's just mad, isn't it? Um, what's your lowest moment with Shane Duffy? What was the, or, or your funniest moment, even looking back? I wouldn't like to sort of be on the pod poking fun at him too much. Now, I know this is a guy that probably won't ever listen to this and he looks at that bank balance and he'll be just fine. <laughs> but still, I... I never liked a lot of the abuse that he was coming in for as well. I found it really out of order. Um, I was quite uncomfortable with it. And I never once, even on the account, pillared him too much. Even at the, at the stage when I was starting to just laugh at how much a mess we were. 
I found it pretty uncomfortable, just the, the amount of some of the scathing insults he was coming in for. But I think the lowest moment it was the fact that he came on against Rangers at Ibrooks. And I think at the time we were down to 10 men. And you're expecting, you know, to him to come on. He's a defender. He's just to the backs against the wall scenario. And you're thinking he's must have been in this situation countless times where we're going to get the ball lumped in at us. He's just got to head it away, blot it away. You're not looking for him to play the ball out for the back. It's just going to be like safety first all the way. You've surely been in that position hundreds of time before at the level he's been at. It should be bread and butter for him. And he actually managed to to make it so, so much worse that I think his first touch, he nearly gifted a goal to Ryan Kent. And that was the moment, really, that I'm just thinking, surely to God, you just get this guy back. You just get this guy back to, you know, back to Brighton. Because we're never going to benefit from it again. It was, it was already sort of hitting rock bottom before then. But I think the moment at Ibrooks really, when he came on, and I, I naively thought, He's going to show it up for us here because this is what he's used to. Just blotter it away, get that ball away from us. And every time the ball came near him, it was just a bomb scare. And it's quite mad, isn't it, for those 60 odd minutes at Ibrooks, We were generally comfortable. And it was as soon as Duffy was on, we were down to 10 as well, that I was just thinking every time Rangers went forward, we're done for. Um, and it was a moment just all confidence, I think, was lost. I don't, that's, that was it for me. I don't want to pick out any of these colossally bad moments like we saw against Sparta, where he was going in the opposite direction and all that for uh, the boys. Was it Carlson? Again, against Rangers too, where he was just bodied by Connor Goldson twice. So I'm not going to go with those moments. I think it was definitely that one at Ibrooks where it was just like all confidence was completely lost. But what about yourself, Shane Duffy? Well, you just remi- you reminded me of another one at Ibrooks in the same game where he comes on, and I thought it was the one you were going to say actually when you when you talked about you know coming on and the need for cool heads. Do you remember the challenge he put in? I think it was in on Kent. Kent. I think that was one of the worst. I mean, that was a red card all day long, um, and that would have put us down to nine men. Um, the other one that looking back is is just funny because we won the game, but the cup final, him and Julian. I think I think that was the that was it two one wasn't it? I don't know what the score was at the time. I think time, it was at two one. Boys had just scored and that could have made that could have been equaliser. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was staggeringly bad. And I remember at that point actually looking and going, "Has that just happened?" Like a lot of things happened this season that made you kind of you know double take. But that was that was staggeringly bad. But we won the game, I suppose, in the end. And and you know we're entitled Celtic fans, and the players should have been lauded according to Mister Neil Lennon. So. We'll leave that there, eh? Great interview with him yesterday, of course, Amish. I've got, I've got nothing to say, mate, genuinely. <laughs> right, okay. Well, listen, before we talk about our next one, here's one for you. A wee bit of trivia that happened in September. Did you know the UK returned three antique bronze sculptures to India more than 40 years after they were stolen from a Hindu temple in Tamil Nadu? They were found in London after one was offered for sale in 2019. So, Hamish, you have to say, the United Kingdom, what a noble country we are. That act alone makes up for all those colonial crimes of the past. Correct, mate. Thank you. And moving on <laughs> then, Celtic 3, Livingston 2. That was our next one. And again, it was more of the same. We have actually went 1-0 down. We'll start with that one, Hamish. And first off, let me ask you, did you see the game? I did, but I, I don't really remember it. I feel like I was distracted doing something else. I don't know if there was something else on that day that I might have been watching as well. I can't even remember Paul, now. Paul but... Fisher telling a lie or something. 
I think it was that that conversation about cheese in the group chat that kind of summed up this season. I don't think that was this game though. I think that was St Johnson later on. But we basically spent a whole half chatting about what we were getting for for a Christmas cheese selection rather than actually talking about Celtic. Was that and the one each game against St Johnson? Aye, let's just say Mr Paul Fisher was very much into that conversation. But he was a fan of this game as well because uh, Serrano scored his favourite kind of ham, apparently. Um, so a big one from a Paul Fisher point of view. You can tell I saved that one up. Um, I remember this game, the, the Forest Derby. The two Forests. That, that's the one thing I remember for this game. Um, without acting like a big dog and name dropping and all that, I do I do know the family and um, it must have been a really proud moment for them to see their, their two boys playing in the same pitch at the, the greatest stadium in Scottish football. Um and I think there's a great photo of, I think, did they both come on at the same time? Or something daft like that? There's a great photo of them both standing on, on the touchline. I'm sure they came on at the same time, James Forrest and Alan Forrest. I don't know if they came on at the same time, but they definitely they did start the game as subs. And they did actually both come on. So I'm going to go and say that you've not just made up a lie there. I think you might actually be accurate there. But I can't remember the photo you're on about, but they definitely did both um, come on anyway. Celtic went down. Um, Jason Holt scored a penalty it was actually, I think we were denied not to sound like a paranoid Celtic fan we were denied a stonewaller and then Livingston went and got a penalty uh, right after that, great refereeing of course and Cal McGregor then scored after it, a few minutes later to equalise, Ryan Christie made it 2-1 and then the game was effectively wrapped up when Ryan Christie actually for once made a very good decision not to blotter the ball from 40 yards out but played a cracking pass to a Yeti, who took it very well first time. Um, and there's a really, really, I think that's his best goal for Celtic. He took it so clinically. It was a, it was actually a good team goal, if I'm honest with you. And then the goal of the game, it was a screamer from Serrano to make it 3-2. I remember watching this one. I think this was a Saturday kickoff too. Quite a sunny day. I remember just a very uncomfortable last 10 minutes, Hamish. And that's when, again, just like, you know, submitting... You had it in your head going, a wee free kick or a penalty here, or a set piece even, um, this could be trouble. But Livingston um, did actually put a bit of pressure on us and we were hanging on at home. And again, with the greatest of respect, we're hanging on at home to Livingston. And that's that's when I was like, we were really struggling to see the game out. And it was just another one we got away with. Yeah, three points, but performance was just, the energy levels and. As we saw season, Hamish, it was symptomatic of Celtic. The last half hour, last 20 minutes, even with the five subs and everything, we were just knackered looking. The first four games of this month were all the same. They were victories, but none of them were convincing. Um, and as I said earlier, we were telling ourselves that it's just the sign of champions and this team's just winning games and then we're going to kick into form. Yeah, Livingston that day were pretty good. I don't know if you remember, but they actually had a really, really good chance in like the 93rd or 94th minute. Yes, I think it was a, a headed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good chance to to get a point out of the game. And if, if we'd have dropped points there, um, you know, the pressure would re- really have been on. I think I'm right in saying that Rangers played the Easter Road the following day and, and Hibs at that stage were kind of on a par with, with ourselves and Rangers. They were kind of the pace setters along with, along with us too. So I think we felt that it was a real opportunity um, to put a bit of pressure on them. And they actually, Rangers did drop points the next day. So things did look good here in general at this stage. And I certainly thought at this stage we were going to not run away with the league, but I thought we'd win the league by a few points. 
Um, but looking back, there was major warning signs. I mean, conceding two goals at home to Livingston and then missing a great chance late on is not what you want to see. Of course, you were talking about that Rangers game too, and I made a real embarrassment of myself because well, I was on my personal account at the time. Gigpod still, Gigpod 2.0 hadn't been formed yet. It would be formed a couple of months later. But I do remember, I think Scott Arfield made it 2-1 to Rangers. And I remember seeing that game. Of course, I watched that Rangers game, Hamish. And <laughs> I remember seeing that the entire time going, Hibs are going to score. Rangers have got a mistake in them. Hibs did score. And that was the moment where I went, ah, they've bottled it again. And as I said, you know, when I was talking to Rizzo about it as well, um, just a couple of weeks ago, when we were just discussing Celtic's whole attitude against Rangers and the complacency and everything. That was just one of the things, wasn't it, where I think a lot of the Celtic fan base thought Easter Road is a tough place to go, Rangers will struggle there. And we just kept thinking Rangers are going to do that all season. So we'll win games or we might drop the odd points, but Rangers are going to struggle to capitalise. And That was one of the rare games where they didn't win, of course, but it was very few and far between for them that season. This obviously isn't the Glasgow's Blue podcast, but <laughs> there was a there was a feeling at that stage that that Rangers would drop more points and I think Rangers as we say they drop points at Easter Road but I don't think they then drop more points in the league until Motherwell in like February or something and by that stage we are like the league's over we are like 25 points behind or something um, so I think that this this was I keep saying it but this was as good as it got for us in terms of the league beating Livingston 3-2 at home probably was about as good as it got for us it's crazy isn't it as and something else saying it's crazy is the fact that as a Celtic podcaster and a genuinely loyal Celtic fan, I never watched the next game that we're going to talk about. I never got to see it. So you're going to have to take the lead on this one, Hamie. So it was Riga nil, Celtic one. Please explain to me what happened. And I do remember online, loads of people were, as they have done all season, moaning about our performance and how terrible we were. But it was a 90th minute goal from the prophet himself, Mohamed El Yunusi. It got us over the line, but. Was that game a shocker? Aye, it was. It seems crazy to say it when we've had so many bad results this season, but in terms of performance, I genuinely think that takes a lot of beating. Um, I was actually, when I was doing a bit of kind of uh, research ahead of doing this, I was looking back on the 67 Hail Hail live reaction for the game and I labelled it a disgrace despite uh, despite the fact it was 1 1 0 away for home in Europe. I just thought that it was a really, really poor performance. And the team we were playing, they were absolutely terrible. Um, I don't even know where they finished in the Latvian league, but they were a poor, poor side. And there was bits of that second half when I felt we were going to go out of Europe to to Riga in Latvia. It had a feeling of like a Bratislava or a Lincoln Red Imps about it for me that game. Um, you know that kind of feeling you can't even really describe. Maybe it's just the fact that you support Celtic and you're, you're fearing the worst. But I was convinced we were going to concede a daft goal. If that had gone to extra time, I'm convinced we would have we would have lost that either in extra time or on penalties. Um, it was a, I didn't even celebrate when when the winner went in um, from El Unusi. It was just a, a horrendous horrendous night. As I say, Riga were a poor, poor side and we struggled like mad against them. So in September 2020, the Joint Biosecurity Centre recommended that the COVID-19 alert for the UK should be increased to level four, meaning that the transmission of the virus is high or rising rapidly. But do you know what else was rising rapidly, Hamish? 67 hail hail. Tell us about the progress of the site by this point in uh, 2020. 
I think we were kind of getting a wee bit of momentum. I think I think when the team was struggling, we actually benefited from that in a strange way. Now, obviously, we would much rather Celtic had won 10 in a row uh, this season, had won another treble, had done well in Europe, but I don't think the channel would have been quite as kind of popular or certainly as big at this stage had Celtic been brilliant. I think um, during that, that phase when when Celtic were really struggling. And I know things got much worse than September, but I think even at this stage, fans were were looking to the likes of us to to get some you know opinions on what was happening. And it also does help, of course, that you are uh, true fans now and the, the real bread and butter are Rangers supporters. Aye, exactly. We still get them. We still, we genuinely now, we still get Rangers fans. Aye, we get, I still got all the... the ear emojis and all that and the bottles crashing and all that patter but genuinely I, I genuinely believe we've got a, a decent range of following that just watch all our videos now which is fair enough because they're they're helping the revenue and they're helping the channel to grow great bunch of lads now we're going to talk about the last game again i've got real strong opinions on this one it was the 27th of september 2020 celtic three Hibs now goals from Cal McGregor, Albany Yeti, and then Mohamed El Yunusi. I've got strong feelings on the first half performance, but I do also have to give us credit for our second half performance too. Now, I think this was when I really started to notice Shane Duffy was going to be a problem because time and time again, there was just basic balls over the top in the first half, even at 1-0 up and then at 2-0 up. Now, if Kevin this bit had his shooting boots on that day, I think we would have been exposed um, and very likely even dropping points the way it was going because time and time again, I think Hibbs, who was it, the guy, Gogic or Newell in midfield, just put balls over the top of Duffy and Beaton at the back. Beaton's his, his lack of pace was, was, really, was really, really telling in that game and Duffy as well was even slower. So Nisbet had so many chances in that first half. He never took them, but I remember just thinking... Duffy just looks so uncomfortable and off it. But yet, in the second half, David Tumble was introduced and it added a new dimension to our play. We looked like a more fluid and dynamic team. We looked like a team that was cohesive and we actually looked like champions that day. Certainly in the second half, it was one of the most enjoyable performances I'd seen from us. Um, and that was very, very few and far between, though, wasn't it, Hamish? But do you agree? with me in terms of the second half performance that day for Celtic was probably one of the standouts. I thought in general the full game were kind of all right, certainly going forward. I think at the time I said it was our best performance of the season up till that point and to be honest, maybe Leo beats it, but apart from that, it probably was certainly our best domestic performance of the season. I thought we were we were pretty good. I can take Shane Duffy being outpaced by Kevin Nisbet but the fact Shane Duffy was getting out-muscled by Kevin Nisbet in that first half was was not on. And I, I certainly was more than a bit concerned about Shane Duffy at this stage. But I think we were still at the stage where he was going through his honeymoon period and you still couldn't really criticise him. You could maybe put a wee tweet out saying Shane Duffy looks a wee bit iffy, but he'll come good. But this notion that Shane Duffy was going to be a dud was still a million miles away at this point. But yeah, David Turnbull is the thing I've got. Uh, written down here you know how you remember those weird wee things that players do and I remember a half volley from him in the second half he took a corner I think or a free kick and it got headed back out to him and rather than take a touch and kind of curl it back in or whatever 
he half volleyed it, fired it in with pace, and it, it didn't come to anything. But I remember thinking, that's a guy who is so confident. This is his debut, I think, certainly his first game at Celtic Park, and he's playing with his head up, and he just looked brilliant. And that's one of the things I, I took away for this game. The other thing I remember is that the much-heralded Josh Doig, who certainly does seem to be a good player, was removed by Jack Ross at half-time after getting an absolute roasting from Jeremy Frimpong. Genuinely, that should have been in Pornhub. That was an absolute riding for him. And Frimpong was incredible that day. I think that was the day we coined him We Jinky Frimpy. <laughs> we Frimmers. But yeah, I, I thought that that second half performance, I was, what you were saying about David Tumble playing with his head up, it was so noticeable that, you know, first half it was a decent performance from us. You can't really complain when we're 2 up. But Tumble came on and the amount of balls that were just threaded through, it was brilliant. And I'm thinking, well, turn into Charlie Nicholas here. But I'm just like feeling, you know, David Tumble is going to be a player that surely is going to be introduced. We're going to see more of him. And that would, that would have been so beneficial for that terrible, terrible run we had in October if we saw him. But amazingly, he would be used very sparingly. And then not at all up until December. And we'll talk about that one a wee bit later on. But your overall thoughts then, Hamish, on September? September was also the month of Dermot Desmond's exclusive with The Athletic. When he claimed that this Celtic side is better than the one that reached Seville. He also had daft comments about Sir Alex Ferguson being offered the Celtic job, I think, and also Celtic moving to England. It was just a horrendous, horrendous interview. We all said it at the time, I think, and it played out even worse than that in hindsight. Um, that was just typical of, of our season. Like, why, why was he coming out and doing interviews with The Athletic when he never talks to the Celtic support unless he wants our money? That would be nothing compared to what he'd be going to say in December about Neil Lennon and then the entitled Neds, of course. Uh, what a guy. Overall in September, mate, um, as I said at the start, five wins for five, but how many genuine good performances in there? One? I'd say one half, really. And that that's me, because I didn't think the first half again, Tibbs. I remember watching it. Sunday game again and thinking, well, not that great. But then... Second half, David Tumble just changed everything. I'm, I really, really was so impressed by it. And I thought that was going to be the game that we would kick on and get a grip and really, really start to dominate games and show why we're the champions and show why we'd be you know, going for 10 and why we'd clinch 10. But, well, that <laughs> didn't really work out, I guess. It was a, a good month in a way with the results, but some of the games there... Um, were horrendous but then when you put it into context and you look at the, the months that were to come things just still blows my mind looking back at this season and I still can't believe how much of of a car crash sorry last season thankfully now we get to call it um, it still blows my mind how bad things got and, and as I keep saying that this was this was the best month of the season wasn't it we, we actually we actually didn't I mean, Dermot Desmond and Shane Duffy aside, we didn't have an absolute disaster this month. You know how the previous month we'd had Bali and then obviously ill-fated Dubai trip in January and, and Lennon's crazy uh, outburst. I can't wait to listen to that podcast, by the way. Um, but this month was kind of drama-free, wasn't it? It was, and you're a guy who is drama-free as well, Hamish, and not only that. Correct. That's you, are we? I'm away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm away, but I'll be back. Well, that is that, Hamish. If the audience don't know where they can follow you, please inform them. 
Right, so you can get me a, a nice easy one at Hamish Carton uh, on Twitter and also give 67 Hail Hail a, a follow on Twitter. We've been tweeting a bit more on that lately. Um, basically, if you follow that on Twitter, you will not miss any Celtic news. Um, and every bit of Celtic news you get on 67 Hail Hail is followed by opinions and thoughts on the matter. So it's not just a site that will give you the news and nothing else. It will give you the news and it will give you opinion and, you know, the state of play at Celtic. It's a tremendous site, and I can say that because I don't even write on it, so I'm kind of impartial in a way. Um, but yeah, Hamish Carton and 67 Hill Hill, sales pitch over. I have family members who aren't online at all, and they actually speak to me about how they get everything from 67 Hill Hill, whether that be the website or, more importantly, it's um, it's the YouTube channel they watch like, after the game. And again, some of my family members don't have a Twitter, don't have Facebook, I've don't have anything, but they're picking that up um, on YouTube, which is surely a very good sign for you as well. And are they all season ticket holders at Ibrooks? <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that bit now. Thanks for that. Thanks for the humiliation there. But no, seriously, thanks for coming on, Hamish. Very much appreciated. Been a pleasure, mate, and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the, the big dogs coming in for the rest of the season. Well, this was a Premiership Years podcast from GigPod, and we'll be back with the next one very soon, where I will be joined by Tony from the excellent Pod Times, where he'll be covering October with me. A month where the UK recorded a huge spike of positive results. Very much unlike Celtic. Podcast Network.